In the beginning, ours was a world of rest. Peace for the lonely soldier fallen far from home. No flags, no lands, no oaths, just soldiers. In time, these warriors grew weary of a life of peace as all do and chose to take up arms against each other. And it was good. The first battle gave birth to Ethel the haven of holy war. However, in the passing eons, purposes became perverted. Oaths were sworn, and in time, evil breached the plain of heaven. Since the breach, the blessed heroes of this place have stood against the forces of evil, the villains of the material plane against our heroes. Thus was born the prophecy that one day end would come to war and a victor would spill out over the cosmos, spreading good or evil until all was consumed. Halafon Jr., we are losing the war. Tonga told me, but that's impossible, Mum. The balance holds. Everywhere you go, it holds. It has to. Does it? Has your friend Kara told you what happened to her home? What are you talking about, Mum? Who's Kara? You know her as Penelope Farthing. A silly name for a silly girl. But in truth, she is so much more. A vessel of flesh carrying within her a tide of peace. And with your help, we shall breach that vessel and unleash a weapon which could bring an end to this war and all who stand against the good and the righteous. Penelope Isadora walks free of the arch, which leads to the bathhouse at the center of Mount Faros. There, her friends wait for her. Iavos pulls the cloak off of his back and holds it out to drape it over Penelope's shoulders, gives her a warm hug. She happily lets you and leans into your embrace. You notice her clutching two items in her hands a patinaed bronze lyre, as well as a laurel crown. I'm not sure what you saw or what you experienced, but just know that I'm very proud of the choices you've made. Penelope, do you know how hard it's going to be killing people with those things? <laughs> You're going to use the uh, the lyre like one of those like apple cutters? Like a girl. <laughs> like a girl, yeah. yeah. No, like an apple cutter. Because <laughs> you don't just cut once, you cut... Six times. I'm now I referring think- to the those things as cheese garrotes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Papa. And I'm sure we'll find a way, Gaspar. How do you feel, Penelope? Like I've chosen my own path for the first time in my life. And I I chose whatever this symbolizes. 
but it, it means something to me. Rhea mentioned that you might emerge different than you entered, but you're just Penelope to me. <laughs> I don't feel any different. There is something very challenging that we must now do, I believe. Yes, I uh, don't know where we're going to find like a big vat of blood on Eudaimonia, but at least that's what worked for the sword and shield, if my visions were correct. I think the final part of the prophecy involved the falling of a tower. Uh, then let's go see if this reformed fallow crown deserves the adventure, knowledge, and vengeance they are looking for. Rhea, we may need to use Gaspar as an asset in the fight to come, but I'm afraid he needs a body. Yes, you can't start the quest with only two people. It's tradition. She smooths out her inky black and purple robes. All along them, you see constellations whose names now ring so much more true to you, Penny. She raises a hand, and as she does, a young man steps forward. You do not know his name, but he is Eudaemon, a satyr. He steps to Gaspar's spirit form. I volunteer myself for your possession in honor of my nation's goddess. Are you fully aware of the implications? I am a creature of this world, which means that if I die, I shall reawaken. One day, perhaps not now. I do not know grief or fear or suffering. I know only my duty. Help me fulfill it. Well, doesn't get much more consensual than that, does it, Gaspar? Well then, I'll try to make sure that you return but I make no promises. This is all I can ask. The golden arm is going to open up like a Venus flytrap. And with that, he eclipses me. And a pink glint in his eyes flashes for a split second. Can I borrow a D6? Because this character does not have a stat block, I will be rolling his stats, his three physical stats anyway, using 4D6 taking away the lowest. This will apply to any character that you occupy that is not pre-built with stats already. What is his strength? Not bad. With a sound, 12. His dexterity. Also 12. And finally, his constitution. 9. It also gains 2 stat bonuses for its racial modifiers. 2 dexterity and one charisma. This character is of ninth level and has a hit dice of 1d8. He has a total of 31 hit points. When it reaches zero, his body will be treated as unconscious. You gain his full maximum hit points at the time of occupation. If you inhabit a dead body, you gain half of their maximum hit points. You do not have hit points of your own. Any damage dealt to you while you're in spirit form will deal you one injury. Anytime something you are inhabiting is brought to zero hit points, you will take one injury. Your possession recharges on a five or six. Okay. When in spirit form, you can enter into your arm to protect yourself. However, in this form, you have no senses, are totally unaware of your surroundings in any way, and are helpless. There are other rules to be determined, and just so you, the audience, knows, 
these rules might change. We started off with something that we feel pretty proud of and are pretty excited about, but if balance causes some issues, we will rework it. Mm-hmm. Exploring uncharted territory is real fun. It's been quite a while since you've had a head, Gaspar. You'll have to be very careful under low ridges. <laughs> That's true. These horns are also throwing me off balance. And Iavos hands you a pair of books. I assume you still know how these work? I think everyone knows how books work, Papa. Oh, you never met Wusha. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do it with familiarity, I'm going to draw a weapon of rationality and take out my trusty light crossbow. Excellent. And I help drape you in the witch's mantle and gear up, buckle your armor. Just return to you the things that I found on your old frame. While you were inhabiting a playable race, you have all of its natural abilities. If you inhabit a creature that is not a playable race, it is up to me to determine what abilities you have. There are grim tasks ahead of us. We must all be prepared. You will learn much more about combat, fear, and pain, Penelope. But I think you're ready. I understand, Papa. Is there anything that I should know? Retreat is always an option. Understood. This time I will follow your commands. I simply will guide you, but your choices are yours to make. Let us be off. Yavos, as you enter to your workshop, collecting gear and resources for the rest of your allies, you notice some things. One, Xiphos and Espida on the wall, formerly known as Zillos, are dust on the ground. The green of Verdigree, as though hundreds or thousands of years have destroyed them. Well, that puts an end to that chapter, I suppose. Two. The fourth bell is ringing. Ah. Always in conflict. It stops. Now that's curious. I will take the bells and put them in my bag. Unfortunately, I don't think I can use any of the other Penny's old equipment. The armor is much too heavy. And too large. Wow. I never tried to fit inside it before. Look at the amount of room for those bazongas. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and after reflecting on that for but a moment, she's going to cast mage armor on herself. It lasts for eight hours. Smart. That a girl. Are there any other preparations? If there's any kind of like dagger and leather that we can borrow to equip Penny with. I will say you can equip yourself with anything that can be found in the PHB. Okay. I'm going to take a dagger, a sling. Presumably the items I just picked up count as an arcane focus and uh, an explorer's pack. I have my normal Iavos gear that he has dusted off and re-equipped. I have the usual guest bar things, but... The man who you currently occupy is wearing leather armor not unlike your normal suit. However, it is a light-colored leather. After asking Rhea to make it something more befitting of you, it seems almost to resist becoming black, as though black armor is a signifier of something dark and sinister, and it continually turns back into a lighter-colored armor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is going to be fun. Yeah, the hats do that too here. (laughs) Maybe once we enter the dark wood, it will change again. 
Unfortunately, you won't be able to wear your signature riding boots with those hooves, but... Eh, it'll be fine. I'll try them on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pinch enough of the inner soul with my hooves. <laughs> now that you are all equipped with your basic equipment and with what few relics still reside in Yavis's care, you begin your journey down. Two of you have mirthful leaps and find it very easy to traverse the rocky mountains and the switchback pathways. So much so, in fact, that it allows you to go up and down twice before Yavos finds his way to the bottom. Frolic with us, Papa. (laughs) I'm not built for frolicking. Yes, Papa. Frolic. (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) You notice a couple of things about Gaspar as he frolics. One, he doesn't smile, nor does he frown, nor does he seem to do much of anything as far as expressing. Sometimes, in the middle of doing other things, he will express, but the expressions don't seem to match, as though he's forgotten how to use a face. Looking good, Gaspar. There is also uncomfortably long eye contact, as if he's forgotten that just watching somebody and everything they're doing is a disrespectful or concerning act. Gaspar, your eyes are looking very dry. Don't forget to blink. He's like, I'm so high up. I'm so <laughs> high up. The first few times you're reminded to blink, you tears stream out of your eyes because you've genuinely forgotten. <laughs> Is it tactically beneficial if I blink one eye at a time? <laughs> <laughs> you're the master strategist. Anything to get one leg up. I'll do it too. As the two of you joke and play and laugh, you can feel a sense of connection, not just to each other, but to the world at large, as though suddenly a tune that was once discordant is now harmonious. Even as you enter the threshold of the Darkwood, that harmony sings with you. Were we good friends, Gaspar? Honestly, there was too much between us to be good friends. But that's all gone now. I think we're going to be great friends. I hope so, too. Just don't loan him any money. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're right. I will still need a lot more money. This arm, it requires tribute. As you enter the clearing where you lost everything, you hear the stomping of hooves on stone emanating from the tower. Iavos holds his hand up to the group, almost taking a leaderly position. Yes, Papa, did you want to say something? One moment. And holding his hand out, he seems to be feeling the air. He takes several steps towards an old tree near the tower and moves aside some tall vines and thick grasses, revealing the rusty hilt of a giant greatsword. He grabs the hilt with both hands. And with a grunt, lifts it from the earth. What he draws is not the broken, rusted, ancient thing that once he carried. Instead, it is almost as though the swamp itself has eaten away the rot. It is polished, though still pitted and broken. How curious. He slides it into a sheath on his back. It's heavy. Just like I remember it. I'm going to cast false life on myself. 
As the necromantic energy binds to your flesh and you are invigorated, you take your first tentative steps toward the tower and your possible death. You have seen the Deathless, have you not? I have. Then you know something of the horror that is to come. It began with death. The first true death in all of Eteltoa. A blink dog of all things. Sent behind enemy lines to rescue captured soldiers. He was wounded by an enemy dagger. Bearing unknown seizures. The wounds would not heal. And when the creature died, his soul could not be recovered from the astrum. He was destroyed utterly and completely. A pure life snuffed out. But then, those mortals who witnessed the death of this creature discovered they could not die. But neither could they heal their battle wounds. We do not know if it is witnessing the true death that caused this undying or some other force. But since that moment, we have been unable to grant them the peace of oblivion. Ah, fuck. Am I going to end up like that? All chopped and screwed? Your body will die here, but your soul will live on in one worthy of such a blessing. You don't mean... Halavon Jr., you were meant for more. To be more. Your life as a mortal, a singular, has been a failure beyond measure. But now I have been given the power to rectify the mistake at your birth. Your ally is cursed to wither and rot in this place. Trapped in deathly cell, you can relieve him of this fate. The dark would conspire him from this curse. But only if you rise as champion and deliver his end by your own hand. to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Second wind, feel the power and might. Second wind, keep your head in the fight. Second wind, second wind, second wind. You've used second wind energy drink on the battlefield to keep you hydrated and fighting strong. But what about studying for the big arcane final tomorrow? Or maintaining concentration on a powerful spell? Reach for the all-new Second Wind Wizard View. It's the only arcane focus you'll need. In great flavors like chamomile, anise, and electric gray. Second Wind Wizard View. Take your spells to the next level. Hey, all you cuties. Can I interest you in some mid-roll? You're halfway through this chapter finale, and we hope you're loving it. We've been ahead on recording, so we're just as excited for every Monday to come around as you, the listener, and watch everyone's reactions to the new content. And we're hoping to stay that way, because every fucking Monday is more than just a slogan. It's a driving force for us. We have so many amazing supporters on the Patreon, and as you've heard here in the mid-roll, the top tiers get to be mentioned with their legendary mid-roll teams, and the other top supporters get to make characters to join the show's meta. But as the needs of narrative may shift, we can't always bring those characters into the EXPN as often as we'd like to. So for the next few episodes, I'll be mentioning the characters, the teams, and the players. And if you want your player name listed as something other than what's on our Patreon, just let us know via email or Discord. Over the next few episodes, I'll be going over each team individually, but to prime the pump, here are all the current characters that are on that meta list. Damu Abzu, Luna Shadowpaw, Valnar Yugibnov, Waffle, Talitha Al-Saleen, Splish, Pyre Larisharn, Duncan D. Sordily, Elstair, Clint of Eastwoods, Garn Goraburk, Jelenic, Thera, Azriel Vilnius, Ollie Curious Amaranthus, Bartholomew Walson, Kyrian Moro, Varina Atera, and Flock Stratchment. And of course, our legendary mid-roll teams are as follows. Twilight Concord, The Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, The Titans Rise, with Christopher Mashburn, Dylan Hoyt, a.k.a. Meat Dad, John Reinhardt, and Lizaris. To get a personal message right on the show or for possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams for Monday Night Live premieres of the LUQ with Dana and random streaming throughout the week. The temporary mailing address is P.O. Box 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon 97214 if you have anything you're dying to get the cast and crew. And I'll see you next fucking Monday on the Discord and hopefully on social media. Love you folks, but that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the Battle Axis. You just don't understand me. We never talk anymore. When was the last time we kissed? Relationships are hard, and not having the right partner is even harder. Look, I'm not the athletic type. No, I don't want to go on an adventure hike. Mosquitoes, sweat, and warm water bottles don't excite me as much as napping and snacks. I just want someone I can spend a few years locked away reading ancient tomes, meddling minds, and occasionally sneaking out to share a few brains. These men only want me for my body. They stare at my hips and breasts. Sure, if they look me in the eyes, they turn to stone. 
but I still want to feel respected. Well, good news. Now there's a monster match made just for you at Romanticore. Our monster dating specialists will help you fill out a questionnaire, analyze your romantic needs, and create the perfect partner profile for you, and then build them out of parts from all sorts of living creatures. Maybe you're more into tentacles than thoraxes. Maybe your acidic secretions demand a hearty carapace. Well, now you can mix and match your ideal match at Romanticore. Thanks, Romanticore. Thanks, Romanticore. Thank you, Romanticore. Romanticore. Mixing parts to match hearts. You climb the broken remnant of the wall leading to the tower proper. Inside, the vines have parted, creating a direct pathway to the rear exit into the basement. This is very uncharacteristic. But I'll go first. As you step inside, no threats await you. No corpses. No revenants. Only eyes in pools of rotted flesh. As you step through the door at the rear, you are greeted by a stone staircase leading down. To your right is another stair. This one leading up. But so heavily destroyed that there is no path to the balcony. Can your new form see in the dark? No. These eyes were meant to be in the sun. Never in the darkness of this wood. Then the lantern on my hip will begin to glow with light. It's not as if they don't know we're coming. With each step, hoofbeats follow. Not moving towards you. Simply the stomp and grind of a caged animal. Here, there is no dark wood. There are no black vines on the walls, no sludge at your feet. There is no odor of rot and decay, only that of time and life lived. A bed in the corner, a workbench, a desk with chair, a larder, all the trappings of a life long lived. After all, like any living thing, Penny Dreadful had needs. In the center of the room stands a great stag. It is not rotted or decayed. It does not drip with black filth. Its horns are not covered with the bloody velvet. It is simply a stag whose eyes are as black as pitch and seem to pull light into them. It is surrounded by four revenants, and all of them turn to look at you, Iavos, as you enter. One way or another, this tower falls today. As the stag turns to you, you see nestled into the fur of its mane on its chest a great beating black heart. It says nothing, for it cannot speak. It is what was left behind. All of the trappings of humanity and memory, of a young girl, a great warrior, and an evil witch. Roll for initiative. Yes, sir. Woo! The best thing I've ever seen, but... The order of operations will be Gaspar, the Darkwood Heart, the Revenants, Penny, Yavos. At the top of the initiative, Gaspar takes his action. 
knowing just how debilitating being struck by one of these darkwood revenants can be, Caspar's going to try and take one out immediately. Even as it crawls and shambles on the floor, the tip of the coral traces every single movement. Gonna aim and fire. Hit it. I hope so, because I have less dexterity as the satyr. That is a 17 to hit. Excellent. That is more than enough to hit. After long years, years innumerable, of eyes at your hips, there is something truly freeing about being able to look with your head at an opponent and fire. And your first shot strikes true. Roll your damage. Forgot how scopes work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on. Uh-huh. Eleven team, but we re-rolled that one. So was four. That is twenty-three points of piercing damage. Beautiful. A quarrel sprouts, not from its heart, but its eyes. These living, harrowed eyes, and black blood pours free of them. It isn't dead, but it can no longer control this flesh as it falls to the ground, sloughing into a pile of black, rotted muscle. Well, as it still lingers over the remnants, if it works on the creature, I would like to attempt to uh, use my Trinkets of the Departed. What would stop it from working on this creature? If you deemed it so not to be able to be reduced or captured. If only that were true. This soul can very much be reduced, though it cannot be ended. As the shot finds home, you feel in your palm something firm. And as you extend your open hand, you see a small carving of a wooden soldier dressed in traditional Eudaimonian garb. Whatever this thing was, it was from here. That is the end of my turn. That brings us to the Darkwood Heart. The black of its eyes sprout a red pinprick, which begins to spread, engulfing it. It stares at Gaspar with hate, a boiling rage and vengeance. It strikes at you with a 22. That will hit. It immediately does 1d10 piercing damage, plus 5, for 11, but it also does 1d10 Soul damage for 10. Oh. Soul damage can only be healed as a part of a long rest and requires the expenditure of hit dice in the same manner as a short rest. Hit dice used to heal soul damage are unavailable until your next long rest. If you die with more than half of your maximum HP in soul damage, you can only be returned to life with a true resurrection or wish spell. If you die, with all of your health as soul damage, you can never be resurrected by any means. This soul damage, being applied to you, extends to any creature you inhabit. And now that it has you, you must roll a DC 18 strength saving throw. 17. (sighs) Ooh! That's a bummer. You are now entrapped. As it charges forward and gores into you, it locks you down with its massive rack of antlers. As you are trapped, the antlers begin to grow into you, 
and from its heart, you can see a black tendril lifting up and moving towards you. You are now considered grappled. That makes it the Revenant's turn. Don't like him. I am at 10 HP. Only one of them can get close enough to attack. It shambles forward and strikes Diavos. That is a natural 20. Good. Great. That is going to be a 46 plus 2. Love it. That is 17 plus 2, so 19 damage. And you will also be taking one point of strength drain. Okay. Unfortunately, my false life did not stop all of it, so some of it did get through. Tragic. This does no soul damage to you. Understood. As the withered, rotting hand strikes you, you can feel the dark wood energy coursing through your veins and pulling your life force out. That makes it Penelope's turn. Papa, what should I do? Be brave. Shaky fingers begin to pluck at a lyre. A simple melody, as she narrates. The princess brought her own light into the dark wood, and it clung to everything like morning frost. That said, this Penelope is a little trickier than other Penelopes. And I'm going to start off with a cantrip. I'm going to cast Mind Sliver. The big boy, the Darkwood Heart, must make an intelligence saving throw. That is a 19 minus 3. The DC is 16. It just meets it. Yeah. So that did not work. Nothing happens. I was really hoping to debuff it before I did this, but I'm going to go for it because everyone's in a great placement. Penelope is going to invoke a sorcery secret. At least that's what she calls it. And I'm going to quicken a fairy fire to make it use a bonus action instead of a standard action. I like it. All the bad guys are going to need to make dexterity saving throws. That's a fail for the heart. That's a fail for the revenant. That is a success for the second revenant. That is a fail for the third revenant. An inner glow grows within Penelope, expands around her like an aura of sunlight before exploding into motes that spread throughout the room and cling to these creatures, coalescing on them. Excellent. That makes it Yavis' turn. I'm going to use my spell Reap and Sow. Um, So every creature within 10 feet of me, of my choice, needs to make a constitution saving throw or they're going to take damage. Using a spell secret, I'm going to turn this necrotic damage into radiant damage. Right on its fucking head. I like that. Is it constitution? And this is going to be cast at fourth level. The Darkwood Heart succeeds famously with a 22. The first revenant succeeds. The second revenant succeeds. The third revenant succeeds. Now, this is cast at fourth level, which means it's going to deal 4d6, and they're still going to take half even if they succeeded. So I might as well just roll normal because they're weak against Radiant. Is that accurate? Uh, I would roll the dice as normal. Yep. And then we will multiply as needed. Okay. Come on, juicy, tasty, good. It's, it's just okay. Uh, a total of 12 Radiant damage. Excellent. All of the Revenants take 24 radiant damage, which is more than enough to kill them. However, the heart is not so afflicted. As the radiant light graces it, its pulsing black heart glows golden. 
and a golden laurel appears in its crown. It has no effect. Cool. Um, the good news is, though, because I cast that and Gaspar is in the area, you can regain up to three hit dice that you can roll because I cast it at fourth level. And since I'm currently in inhabiting a living person, I may heal. You may heal when you are inhabiting a living creature. And we have learned this creature has D8 hit dice. Mm-hmm. It's a five. Six. That is a nine total. Mm. It's something. It's something. Hey, if I can get rid of those revenants before they rip our strength out of our buttholes, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, fourth level spell slot. I'll miss you. <laughs> this brings us back to Gaspar's turn. <clears throat> There's only one very obvious thing to do now that this heart of the Darkwood is glowing with fairy fire. Gaspar looks towards little Penelope. The littlest. The littlest. Will P. With a little bit of Pain and regret from a memory will flinch, look over to Iavos and shrug his shoulders. So as I do best, and stab at this thing's heart. Awesome. Fairy fire gives me advantage, hoping I can crit. It's a 21 to hit. Excellent. That does hit. All around you, the flesh of the revenants begins to dissolve in the radiant light. The heart, however, is invigorated and ready to strike. Then plus my new dexterity of two. That is 29 points of damage. Piercing? Piercing. You stab the paper blade into the heart of the Darkwood. The heart quivers and beats, pouring black and golden blood onto the ground. That makes it the heart's turn. You did not break your grapple. You are not free of its grasp. And as such, it uses its turn to cast Seed of the Darkwood. Please roll me a wisdom saving throw. Believe it in natural 20. (gasps) Seder. Is this a magical effect? This is a uh, spell-like ability. Mm. Then that is a two minus one. We got nerfed, man. Jesus. Two minus one. You will immediately take 2d6 soul damage. For 10. You will take an additional 1d6 soul damage every turn. If this body should die while the seed is inside of it, and it has less than eight hit die, it will resurrect as a revenant. If it has more than eight hit dice, it will resurrect as a darkwood heart. Nasty. Nasty. That brings us to the revenants who are all dead. And now, Penelope. That was so strange. Is it immune to radiance? It seems so. If you would like, you can attempt to make an arcana or religion check to see if you can ascertain this thing's nature. Which, by the way, uh, going forward, if any of you want to use intelligence rolls to try and determine the weaknesses or abilities or Mm -hmm. whatever creatures, you're welcome to do so. Yeah, I'll totally make an arcana check. Of course. Six. You stare into the heart of this heart, and you try to ascertain its nature. But you are not connected to it. At least, you don't think you are. You lack the memories, the connection, the context to grasp the nature of the Darkwood. After all, your father never taught you about this place. What are you? Strange... 
You strange beast. <laughs> strange beast of shit. <laughs> you weird bastard. Uh, talk to me about soul damage. Is there any way to heal it? No. It can only be healed with a long rest and must expend hit dice to do so. That's great. It's so good. Which means Gaspar technically just has 11 hit points. The Seed of the Darkwood can only be removed with a DC 20 Arcana or Religion check. Go on. Everything's all right. Continuing to pluck at the lyre, Penelope intones, Although this body was new and strange, the shadow quickly fell back into his old graces. I'm going to grant you a 1d6 Bardic Inspiration, Gaspar. And then with my standard action, I'm going to try to mind sliver this uh, big old deer boy again. Hey! And that's an intelligence save. Can do! Oh boy! That is a natural one! Yay! I like that. It's a pretty dumb fucker, too. It's got four intelligence, so he was definitely on the disadvantage to begin with. I mean, sure, it's a conduit for some natural evil, but it's still just an elk. (laughs) It's just a goddamn deer. Well, it better buckle up, because it's taken one point of psychic damage. Oh! But its next saving throw is at minus three. I like it. And that makes it Yavos' turn. Okay. I am watching as Gaspar is struggling with this embedded seed of evil as the black and gold liquid pours over him. And my instincts to heal my friend are strong. So I'm going to use my action to attempt to remove this tainted seed from his goatee form. I love it. Remove the seed from his taint. With a snap of my fingers, Opus appears open to a page of Seder anatomy, which is going to give me advantage on my knowledge check to try to overcome this. I like it. Let's do Arcana. Well, (laughs) I rolled pretty bad, but... I did get a 21. Before you do this, I should warn you, in order to do so, he is engaged in a grapple. You will need to join the grapple. Mm-mm. Interesting. Mm-mm. You will also need, that will by necessity mean you are also grappling the heart. Okay. I accept the terms. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. I accept the terms. Mm-mm. I got, I can get out. Like I can get out too. Okay. So leaping foolishly into the cage of these antlers to help Gaspar. Uh, I get a 21 for my Arcana check to purge him of the seed. I love it. That is just enough by one fucking extra point in order to remove the heart seed. You are no longer suffering soul damage every turn. You are also immune to the heart seed for 24 hours. Hey, that's cool. As he struggles to get to Gaspar, one of the prongs of the sharp antlers breaks loose the great sword from his back. A pair of spectral warrior hands grips the blade before it falls, and Iavos uses his bonus action to cast a third-level spiritual weapon to begin striking at the heart with the newly polished plowshare. I like that. This won't cause you to fail if you fail, but I would like you to roll a sleight of hand to see how well you successfully cast the somatic incantation and also free the sword. Okay. Do, 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 do. Eleven. Total? Yes. Okay. I have no modifier to this roll. Your hands are clumsy and awkward, trying to free yourself from the cage, which seems almost to grow around you like living antlers. It is difficult to conjure the focus necessary. You cast the spell and you free the blade, but you are open and you realize the threat of this thing's seed is far greater than you imagined. Staring into the infinite black inside of it, 
with the tiny golden seed at the center. Well, it's either my almost dead friend or my daughter. I might as well be the tank for this fight. Um, thankfully, the fairy fire grants the blade advantage to hit. Mm-hmm. Oh, so close to a crit. So close. But it is a uh, 25. That hits. So it's going to take uh, not very much, plus three. So six force damage from a shitty roll. Okay. As the ethereal blade strikes the heart, it does not seem to react. It seems to ignore pain, ignore the injury. However, the thick black blood that pours free of the wound is proof enough that you are doing it harm. Got it. That makes it Gaspar's turn. All right. Now just help me out. I believe I can't do incorporeal movement when I'm in a living creature, right? Correct. Well, being grappled here is not ideal. I feel like I've done my work for my team. So <laughs> I'm going to attempt to break this grapple with an acrobatics check. Do it up. Contested, right? Yes. Or unless you have a DC for your stat block. Yeah, some things have like a passive grapple escape. Mm. Wanted, yeah. uh, there's nothing specifically illustrated here, so I'll go ahead and set the target at 18. Okay. With my new dexterity... That is a 23. Ooh. As two sets of hands and two bodies wriggle against its almost infinite overlapping antlers, you manage to just barely slide clear of the sharp, jagged points, leaving Yavos to tend to himself. But my soul is in tatters. I'm then going to use my bonus action to disengage cunningly and make my way to the other side of the room. Kicking off the wall, leaping over the antlers of this stag. Iavos, I trust you to get out of there on your own. That or die trying. That makes it the heart's turn. Hello. You are in its grasp. It turns to you. Its antlers, now a cage of calcified briars enclosing you. It seems to lift itself up and its heart extends out to you, black and gold tendrils. I would like you to make me a wisdom save. Let's double check my class bonus. So I don't forget. It's pretty good. Fingers crossed. No, probably not. 16. That is not enough to overcome the DC 18 wisdom saving throw. Dang. I had the best chance though. It immediately deals you 2d6 soul damage. For six. Six soul damage. And you will take one additional every turn. It trumpets, snorts, and paws at the ground. It does not seem to want to stomp on you or do anything other than simply incorporate you into its dark wood. That makes it Penny's turn. I don't know what to do, Papa. Getting stabbed and impaled and attacked by this. You're doing fine. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> but if, if it's immune to radiance, then... I, most of my abilities won't work and I, I can't do other support spells without breaking the fairy fire. Use your imagination. This is so complicated. Is there anything I can do to help Iavos escape? Uh, you could attempt to free him from the grapple. What would that require? It would be as if you're trying to grapple it. Okay, so it'd be an athletics roll? Yeah. In this, the Lord's fifth edition. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Um. Yeah, I'll try it. Okay. Go ahead and make me an athletics check against a DC of 18. 
Stop. No. <laughs> Six. That's not going to do it. Penelope grabs onto this cage of antlers, throwing her body against it, rocking it back and forth, but it does not budge. All the while, she seems somewhat upset. Iavos, go ahead and take a 1d6 bardic inspiration. Cool. As your hands close upon the antlers, the gaps between them start to close and open, shifting in a non-Euclidean fashion. Their origin, their destination, seems totally unknown, and your eyes, flesh as they are, struggle to grasp what it sees. No, 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 no. And that brings us to Iavos. Since the creature seems to be trying to uh, put itself into me and take over my frame, I'm going to stop struggling against the antlers and just focus on my magic. And looking through the cage of its entombing antlers, I'm going to spectate the far side of the room and misty step. Ooh, I like it. And I will simply just appear against the opposite wall. That works for me. I am going to say that because you are enclosed, I would like you to make me an arcana check to see if there's any complications in trying to escape what is presumably a magical cage of horns. Very acceptable. 26. That'll do it. You find yourself on the other side of the room with Penny alone up against the Darkwood Heart. But that is a bonus action, and I will attempt to use a cantrip with my other action because that's all I can do. Hey! And... Relying on the good old magic that got me to where I am, I'm going to unleash a firebolt at the back of the stag. Lay it down. Thank you, fairy fire. What a good spell to cast. Hey, uh, that's a 24. That's a hit. Hey, for cantrip damage, that ain't bad. Uh, We're looking at 15 fire damage. Hey, all right. It is not immune to the fire. As the flames scorch and singe the fur, the flesh is exposed. It is not the flesh of a deer. Instead, it is the screaming faces and pressing hands of all it has consumed. And while I have no control over it this turn, the greatsword is still entangled in its antlers fighting against the creature. Understood. That makes it Gaspar's turn. I told you I could get out. Yes, but we're still locked in here. This is why in LUQ Rogue Training, they tell you not to fight in basements. <laughs> I'm going to launch a crossbow at it. I'm on my last hoofed legs here. Just throw the whole crossbow. There you go. Pow! Fairy fire still on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Come on. All right. That is a 24 to hit. That'll do it. It ain't that hard to hit. It ain't that hard to hit. Are there anything special about your bardic inspiration? Can they be used for AC damage? Oh, or? no. No. Yeah, basically. Nothing interesting like that. No, I can use them to cast my, my story spells. Oh, yes. The one I have today is not particularly useful. That is 27 more damage. Excellent. Hunting season's open. Okay. Zach, or there, is there anywhere to hide in here? <laughs> no! Fuck! The only objects here that might even be conceivably large enough to hide you are things like a bed, a desk, etc. But, as a DM, I will say that due to the nature of the room, hiding behind these things would be absurd. Unless he disembodied 
and flung his arm under there. <laughs> you could theoretically hide if you chose not to be in this body. However, that would not allow the creature that you were inhabiting to hide. I like like this. Gaspar is going to kick over the desk and attempt to hide behind it. And then realizes antlers are sticking out. <laughs> you are, however, being provided cover. Hey. That's the end of my turn. Sater's going to say. That makes it the heart's turn. It now realizes that it is alone with a target. It turns and attempts entrapping gore. Oh. <laughs> that is a natural one. Oh, baby. Can't touch this. Oh. By this, I mean that. My child. <laughs> As it pulls its antlers from the ground and attempts to strike at you, there is a force which prevents it. Something in you stops it in the middle of its attack. It simply stares at you with its black eyes, its black and gold heart pulsating, thumping over and over again. That makes it Penny's turn. Penelope palms her dagger and thrusts it into the beast's heart. Roll that beautiful bean footage. I'm not afraid of you. Dirty 21. Mm. Mm, that's a hit. It's a good stab. Ooh, maximum damage for your little daughter. Seven points piercing. Hey. <laughs> As you drive the dagger into its heart, the black and gold blood pumps freely. Its eyes look at you, not as predator, not as prey, but as a thinking creature. It seems to look confused but it doesn't stop trying to kill you as Penelope stares into its eyes overcome with the strangest feeling she uses her bonus action to Misty step the fuck out of here <laughs> I'm going to rejoin my father's side I like it a girl Foosh. you all now stand clear of the heart Iavos. beginning the turn with my bonus action I'm going to Maintain control on my spiritual weapon, and it's going to pull itself from the antlers and attempt to bury itself into the back of the beast. That is a 26. That is a hit. Go, go, gadget force damage. Where'd my d8s go? Come here, you. I need you. Uh, eight, nine, ten. Uh, 13 force damage from the spiritual weapon. And now that there is this metal rod sticking out of the back of the deer, I'm going to use it as a target, a conduit for the third level lightning bolt that I unleash towards it. Beautiful. Now watch and learn, Penelope. Offensive spells are very important. Um, so that is a deck saving throw from the heart. That is a natural one. Wonderful. Times you regret giving all your D6s to Gaspar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I got plenty. <laughs> Those are not um, hot rolls, my man. 11, uh, 28 lightning damage. Jesus, even with all those ones, huh? A lot of sixes made up for it. The electrical energy courses through the body of this creature. Arcs jumping between the antlers, charring and scorching the bone. But it does not die. It should be dead. And yet it lives on, barely holding itself together. You know when you've killed something. And this creature is gone. 
As it turns to you, the flesh of its face has charred off, leaving a deer skull. Its antlers are not those of a deer, but instead the jointed finger bones of hundreds upon hundreds of hands. It is dead, but the heart lives on. I would like you to roll me a religion check. I was going to ask, but it was the end of my turn. 30. It has wounded you in a way that you've only been wounded once before. And you imagine that may be the only way to kill it. Using the rest of my move action, I look to Gaspar's obvious hiding spot. And I say, catch. And I pull the plural slaying dagger off my belt and toss it to you hilt first. That makes it Gaspar's turn. Gaspar observes the dagger, the balance of it being very familiar. He points it outwards instead of inwards this time. You really want to go inside of hearts, don't you? (laughs) Leaping over the desk with his mirthful, leaping, hooved legs barred him by a devoted satyr. Mirthful assassination. (laughs) (laughs) I will execute a mirthful assassination on this thing. I love it. I've got laser targeting from Penelope. Yes. I've got the dead drop handoff from Iavos. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Those other two were terrible, but that is a 21 to hit. More than enough. As you drive the God Slayer dagger, the dagger of the skeptic, a dagger that should not exist, into the Darkwood heart, it does not bleed. It simply collapses, closes like an eye. You can feel the wound spreading through the place, through the dark wood that surrounds you. The same blade that cut you free of your ties to this horrible creature now frees you, Demonia, in truth. And outside, the first blooms of spring blossom on the darkwood tree. And all at once, the memories of Penelope Farthing, Panikos, and Penny Dreadful come flooding back. Mom, he's my friend. I'm not going to kill him. Thanks, bro. Is there an option B? Your fate was sealed the moment you crossed the threshold of the Deathless. This is a mercy. And what greater mercy than death at the hands of one with whom you have fought, bled, and killed. Fuck. It's all right, Hill. Seems like there's no other choice. No use dragging it out. What, we're just going to take her word on it? Since when has she ever given me any reason to trust her? Then don't trust her. Trust me. Penny, you look different. How are you... Why are you here? Is Iavos with you? Can he explain this? Hal, I'm not the Penny you know. I'm something else. Something greater. I am the sum of all pennies. And I swear to you, if you join us... Help us? We can bring an end to the Deathless. We can stop 
the war. We can bring peace. She is your destiny. I wish so deeply that you could read the words on your flesh, that you could see what I see, your true potential. Maybe I can. I... I accept. Cool. I mean, not really, because, you know, death. But fuck it. I've been ready for oblivion since I was born. Just didn't know it would be an option until now. Well, at least my only one. Homer, I'm so sorry. It should have been me. Eh, it is you, kid. Always has been. Good luck. What do I have to do now? Just tell me what to do. Now you and he become one. Sub of his essence. Take on his mantle. Rise as two of three, a celestial to be. I can't feel him. I thought maybe... I thought maybe I would hear him. Feel him. He is there, Alavon Jr. His mantle, his power is yours to command. And in time, you will be greater still. You said two of three. There is another, a child of the heavens who you must bless with your gift. Come, my son. We have much to discuss. Love that ending. Boy, if we had glory, that's everything shy of burning glory to do that combo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How much health do you have left that isn't soul damaged? Nine. Ooh. So, I mean, theoretically, right, I could jump into another revenant. Wrong. I have so much soul damage that if I jumped into one, I instantly die. Exactly. You have Ooh. to be very careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, that, that was quite the warm up. Deadly. I like soul damage. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. The threat was there. That might be one of like the tightest and most careful fights we you've fought. Like that's a that was a scary one. <laughs> yeah, that was Yeah. Like my, my kit's not bad actually. I just I kinda need a fourth team member. That's a fair. little bit. But uh the, the main problem was that my concentration was used up. It was immune to my primary damage type. I have a lot of healing, but I can't heal soul damage. And at one point, I w- if it went one more round, I was strongly considering, because you said it looked intelligent, I was considering dropping fairy fire to cast Tidious Laughter. Mm. I heard Tidious Laughter, and I, I like that. Mm. That is a different spell. That's Tidious Titter. <laughs> Tidious Titter. <laughs> 
Tasha's tedious tater. But yeah, I definitely think I'm going to go to like some kind of sorcery boot camp and rework my. That's totally fair. My thing a little bit. We'll get you a wand. Just a <laughs> wand of magic missile. Good old. Just the backup strap. Any favy momos? Oh, that's what I want to hear. Ooh. I mean, you know I love getting my ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You are a sucker, a glutton for the punishments. Yeah. When, when I feel like I better make the right choice and it better roll well or else I die, that's what I live for right there. This is a fragile Gaspar. That w- you know, well, we rolled for that guy's stats, and the minus one con was not the clutchest of. Uh, yeah, it was scary. Of, of, yeah, but yeah. that was—that's what I was hoping for to get out of this. So I like, I like the idea that Randy's just—I just roll a straight up fucking yes. before minus lowest. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever RN Jesus decides to send me, and you're just praying for those three three eighteens. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that we designed it. And I got the instant reward out of it. Yeah. So that was great. Favy moments, my ass getting kicked. I love it. Good. I'm not used to playing Iavos as I'll go first mm-hmm. ever. Mm. Being the most experienced and second most hit points felt wrong. I mean, it felt right narratively, but it's like, I'm, I'm still a wizard. Combat wise, it's really cool to see you guys just throwing yourselves in there and getting tight like that was a real fun one although going in with uh false life i technically did have the most hp there you go there you go nice nice i feel like maybe it was like f- 10 seconds after it because you know my brain's slow i was like oh i should have said something like the bravery of a father mm. you know just just to acknowledge it yeah how, how stupid <laughs> <laughs> god that was a tough fight your uncle gaspar now I love it's that. true. Uncle G, Unky G. <laughs> I really liked the imagery of the antler cage and and things like that. It was it was a very fun creature. And then the um when it just turned gold when you hit it, it it threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. I uh so in originally my goal was I wanted it to look normal and then as you heard it, it gets more and more like Lovecraftian. Uh, and I was really, I, I, mm-hmm. I also really liked the whole like non-Euclidean antlers folding in on each other and like yeah. sh- changing so, shape. So was it like immune to radiant damage? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's immune to radiant and necrotic. Okay. I just want to make sure that was the right read. Mm-hmm. This actually started off as a modification on a new creature from the Dragonlance books. It's called like an Onkelox or something like that. It's like this undead thing. But as I was changing things, I was like. Not much of this is going to stick around. A lot of this is going to change. <laughs> Look, it, to, to reskin monsters for you, Demonia, mm-hmm. just got to make it a deer. Right? Take any monster, deerify it. Add antlers. Antlers. Done. Uh, and to clarify, this thing was the everything left behind by everything in the Darkwood, but everything you've ever been. That includes your mother, your father. Oh, yeah, I caught your, that. Yeah, so like all of the leftovers. I did catch that, and I, I but Penny didn't, and um, and and yeah. Yeah. You now she does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a play in the tank. That was my favorite. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, while it was out of my comfort zone, I liked having to do it. For me, I really liked the lead up to it, the fight. I loved the fact that you guys were just fun. And like the idea that after spending a year and change together, the somberness kind of started to disappear. And that all of you kind of like got back into your fallow crown groove. It was really nice to see. I don't know, some of the old characters yeah, come absolutely. back. After, th- after like seven episodes now of pretty grim shit, it just feels nice to have some relaxation happen and right. some chill. Even us as players, we did more goofing in this episode than most of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. 
And I want to see more of that. And generally, I want to see a lot more episodic fun from the coming chapters. And uh, you're going to see a lot more of that from me. Uh, let's just go around the table, starting with... Cool. I'm Angelo Kaluug. I play a fraction of a phantom rogue named Gaspar. I am Dana Ebert. I play Penelope Isadora. Uh, I think y'all can can figure out her class by now, but she is a level three College of Spirits bard, level six divine soul sorcerer. The construction on TPK Brewing started yesterday, Woo! so we're we're Woo! in demolition right now, which is very exciting. Demolition's always exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My name is Law. I play Papa Isadora, uh, witness to the Withering Acre and Scion of the New Penelope. <laughs> uh, and I'm Law, creative director of Slapdash. Uh, I'm Zach Barkus, the Dungeon Boy. I am also the heart of the Darkwood. Uh, I don't know what to say. I'm so happy. I'm so thrilled. Sam, I hope you've enjoyed the fact that all of these were sub two hours. Uh, Bree, if you're listening to this, I'm really looking forward to some of the maps you and I have been talking about, about the upcoming chapters. Who boy. And all of you can anticipate the return of Max Hobbs sometime in the next two months, assuming that uh, inexplicably baby situations don't get worse. But I cannot promise that you will ever see Wuxia again. We'll see how that plays out. Bum, bum, bum. And until next time, we wish you luck. God's hail. Hell, I'm still here. Please, hell. Hope oh, didn't work. Oh, fuck. Oh, God, it didn't work. Help me. Help me. Oh, God, somebody help me. <laughs>